0: And welcome to episode four of Katie's Christmas Movie Countdown. I'm here with Emma. Yeah. And tonight we watched *The Chronicles of Narnia: The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. You might not think of it as a Christmas movie, but Emma and I sure do, and you definitely should too, because it takes place mostly in winter, and there's a huge Christmas scene in it that is awesome. And it has Santa. It has Santa in it, a so key it's one hundred percent a Christmas movie. <laughs> Um, so this movie is the first movie in a series of the Chronicles of Narnia movies that they released. It's based on the book of the same name by C.S. Lewis. The whole series is seven books uh, detailing hundreds of years of Narnia and how Narnia came to become or became a thing and then all of the different trials that happened throughout. And the film series chose poorly in the direction that they were going to go from this major success that was the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and went on to do Prince Caspian, which did okay. And then they did the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which was a, a crap bag. Like absolute mistake. <laughs> there was not where they should have gone with the story, but the people in charge were trying to go, like, to keep the kids that were involved with the first one. They wanted to have that face recognition of their viewers. So they wanted to have those kids involved and they had to film it quick if they were going to have those kids involved because the kids were growing up very fast. Like even well, in this movie alone. I was alone... going to
1: say, I mean, as an example, Edmund grew 6 inches in this movie, yeah, alone. It, <laughs> from
0: st- from start of filming to end of film- filming, the kid who played Edmund grew half a foot and his voice changed. Yeah, they had to redub his some of his some of the stuff from earlier in the movie because his voice changed halfway through. yeah just a mess
1: (laughs) yeah it oh boy
0: yeah that's the problem with kids movies like if you're gonna do a series that revolves around kids you pretty much have to do continual filming and not ever stop like harry Mm -hmm. potter how they did the eight films for the seven books and they started when the kids were 10 which in the books they're 11 and just went straight basically for 10 years and worked as hard as they could to get those films put out so that the characters or the actors would still look like the characters still and they grew as the characters grew. they could still they could still portray like 17 year old ron Mm -hmm. and 17 year old harry even at you know what were they 20 yeah rather than you know waiting giving each movie like time and doing a press tour like huge long press tours like year-long press tours for each film instead of putting all that in the middle of it and ending up with you know 30 year olds trying to pretend that they're 17 and fighting lord voldemort like it just you know it wouldn't have worked and they did the same thing here like they pushed as as hard as they could in filming to get it done quickly so the kids wouldn't age too much and they tried to continue it with the next two films in the series so (laughs) it's wonderful yes so this film came out um december 9th 2005 here in the united states Uh, It came out the 8th of December 2005 in the UK. You know, just foreign movie markets, they gotta change it a little bit. The budget for this film was huge. Like, compared to all the other movies that we've talked about so far, we haven't, in any of the Halloween, everything that we've talked about so far on this podcast, we haven't gotten into any, like, fantasy stuff, really. Or super sci-fi stuff. and That's where the money is in movies. Like, where everything costs a lot. Mm -hmm. So, this film cost $180 million to make. And... I mean, I'm so glad that they spent that much money and that much time and focus. It's a beautifully done movie. I mean,
1: especially for when it was released in 2005. That was the height of what they
0: could produce
1: in 2005.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's like... It's crazy to me to watch this film and think about the fact that this was made in 2005 because the prosthetics and the costuming and the cgi and everything were so good like i even turned to emma and said in the middle of this film like it's amazing to me that the cgi lion has not changed no nope. in 15 years not at all because the the new lion king that just came out like a few months ago looks exactly like aslan does watching this film again it was like Holy shit, that looked so good.
1: Well, and I mean, even a couple years ago, if you look at the live-action Jungle Book that they came out with, Shere Khan and Bagheera, both. I mean, I know they have less of a main, but at the same point, it's still the same CGI. So to have been at the height of that in 2005 and to be able to afford to get that, I think has maintained the legitimacy of this movie as long as it has.
0: Yeah. I really think that the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s, was the height of fantasy storytelling on film.
1: Very much so. So
0: this film came out right after the final installment of Lord of the Rings came out, basically. And, you know, those are fantasy epics that everybody loves like I don't know anyone who's like yeah that first Lord of the Rings trilogy was trash everybody loves it even if you don't necessarily love Lord of the Rings you love those movies because of how detailed and how incredible they looked there were thousands upon thousands of additional cast in the back like just extras playing orcs and playing you Know knights and all these different things, and this movie definitely had that as well. In the big battle scene, there mm-hmm. were thousands of people there. And I mean,
1: I know at least a handful of that had to have been green screen filled in or CGI'd or whatever, but a good portion of the people <clears throat> that were there were all cast, they yeah, were actual people, they were makeup, they were full costume, they were they used that budget like nobody's business, yeah, and it
0: was. Brilliant. Speaking of the casting of this film, um, I read that casting for this movie took three years, which is absurd. Like that is so long to finish finalizing a cast. The only person in the entire film who was the directors and everyone's first choice for any of the characters was Tilda Swinton as oh, yeah. the White Witch. They knew right from the go that they wanted Tilda Swinton and they got her. <laughs> yeah, there were besides Tilda Swinton there
1: were three other people including Kate Blanchett, I think.
0: Kate Wins, it was Kate Winslet and, and- Kate Blanchett and Kate Blanchett and One Nicole more. Kidman? Yes. They yeah. they were gunning for that part. They yeah. were
1: super interested and they had Tilda on. Yeah, the they knew it. They but, knew it. I mean she is so Remarkable. Oh yeah, she and her she's role terrifying. As she the witch. is like I'm. I'm legitimately covered in goosebumps <laughs> talking about it. Like if I ran into her in the middle of a snowy woods, I'd be like, you know, I gotta, I gotta. I thing. mean,
0: I would be scared of her not just because of the White Witch. Everything she's done in her career oh, yeah. has pretty much been. Pretty terrifying. sure if I
1: saw her in Target, I'd be like, the world is over. I'm even done. when, <laughs>
0: even when she was um, the guy, the guy, the character from Doctor Strange, where she was just like the yes his sensei or whatever she was that was creepy bald Tilda She's Swinton terrifying. was terrifying Tilda Swinton Effective. I don't know what it is about you Girl, like about your you. bone structure keep your face you. I don't know you are terrifying and I oh, love yeah. it you are so good at all the parts that they put you that everybody decides to put you in um because so aside from Tilda Swinton It took forever to cast everyone. There were literally thousands of kids trying to gun it for the four main characters, Peter and Susan, Edmund and Lucy. Mm -hmm. Um, They cast Peter and Susan and Lucy first of the set kids, and it took them an extra month to decide on who they were going to put as Edmund. And the director said that he did that on purpose so that the distance... But the animosity that was that Edmund had been feeling towards the rest of the kids was already there. Like the other three kids had had time to bond mm-hmm. on set and like get you know get to know each other in classes and stuff before Edmund showed up, so he was already the outcast, and it just added to the his outcastness in the film. Liam Neeson, who is the voice of our hero Aslan, heck yeah, wasn't cast until mid two thousand five. Keep in mind that this movie came out in December 2005. (laughs) (laughs) So the voice of Jesus in this film was not there until five months before this movie was released. So in five months he recorded all of his lines, they edited all of his lines, they put in all of his shit and they fixed the CGI of Aslan's mouth or whatever to fit what Liam Neeson was saying. And anything that Liam Neeson decided to ad lib, they would have just had to figure that out. Oh yeah. (laughs) Because they were so close to the deadline.
1: Last second pencil eraser for the win.
0: Yeah, freaking nuts, man.
1: I mean, that's that just blows your mind when you think about it, because it's like you get this idea in your head of when you make a movie or a TV show or anything that you need all this time to just record and backtrack and animate and dub over yeah. and place everything, and then you get this guy that walks in and Bing, bang, boom in like what a month? Yeah, that he
0: was he had done. To have done it in less than a month. They he had the whole thing, every
1: every single. That's a testament to him and himself and the studio. Like for all that to come together in less than a month and then still come out and be the third
0: highest grossing film that year. Yeah, crazy. That's ridiculous. Crazy to me. I want to know how they like landed on Liam Neeson. Like I love Liam Neeson for sure. But 2005 Liam Neeson was like six years after the Phantom Menace, after he was Qui-Gon Jinn and Phantom Menace. Two years after he was the sad dad in Love Actually and a few years before Taken had come out, before he was a badass action star. So he was in this weird like rom-com limbo thing <laughs> like when he made this film that was really interesting. Fun fact about this film, the character of Lucy, the, little act- the actress who played Lucy, was blindfolded before she was allowed to come to set on the day that they filmed her going through the wardrobe and entering into Narnia. So she had no idea what the set was going to look like, all the snow in the forest and any of that. And on top of that, she had not seen Mr. Tumnus, played by James Franco, in his full James costume. McAvoy. Or James McAvoy, not James Franco, Jesus. The other James. James McAvoy, uh, had not seen him in full costume yet. So when she goes into the into the snow the first time, all of her on excitement about the snow is completely genuine. And then when Mr. Tumness comes out, all of her freak out about seeing him as a goat, basically, My... as a fawn, just like that was completely genuine too. All 100% the screams.
1: Accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, when you look at it the first time, not knowing that they had done all this for her to get her to embody this actual surprise, you look at it and you go, Damn, this kid can act. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Even adults have problems walking onto a set and pretending to be excited or sad or terrified or whatever. And it's like, not to discount from her ability to act, but it really brought so much to her character to have them portray that in real time. That was Something. And you have to know that that couldn't have been done in more than two takes.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I feel like they did it in one take. Easily. Really quick. And she was just like, ah, I'm so scared. And they just caught it and they were like, all right, that's it. Right. <laughs> you better get it right, James McAvoy. Like,
1: <laughs> and that's a wrap.
0: Don't mess it up. <laughs> don't say any swear words. Just like, you know what you gotta do. Just, I mean, do it right. right. No
1: if, ands, or fucks. Just
0: make it happen. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Freaking fantastic. (laughs) So this movie does hold a lot. Watching it again as an adult and realizing this movie shares a ton of similarities with Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. This is basically a kid version of Lord of the Rings, uh, as Emma and I discovered while we were just chatting about it. And found out, I guess Emma already knew this, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were in a book discussion group called the Inklings. They were really good friends and they often met for like coffee or mm-hmm. drinks to discuss. They had, a,
1: they had a pub in, I think it's London or just outside London where they would go and talk about their books and yeah. life
0: and just friend That's It's crazy. So we were actually really curious um, if the two of them had planned these books together. Like if their ideas kind of bounced off of each other, and it was like, oh yeah, well I'm writing this epic. What if I write this epic for kids? Like I write, I take, we take each other's stories. We take all the goblins and minotaurs and trees that talk and all this weird stuff, and we throw it into both of our books, and we basically write the same story. But you're Mm. gonna write one that's super far more
1: violent, super violent, super
0: complex for adults. Um, for adult readers and i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna bring it down to, for kids i'm gonna make this kid level mm-hmm. lord of the rings and it's gonna make complete sense and you can definitely see the similarities watching it as an adult like okay well aslan is definitely gandalf right he dies in a battle well kind of in a battle and then is resurrected mm-hmm. also jesus also. same thing Very nice uh so. is resurrected Uh, Later to save the day in Lord of the Rings Gandalf comes back at the the on the third day at the Battle of Helm's Deep brings a whole fucking army with him and just shits on all the orcs (laughs) like 100%. Yeah, they just shit on everybody. On and... today's
1: edition of Authors' Seance, why don't we consult them themselves? Yeah, and I the... would I would give anything just for fifteen minutes to sit down and just have them tell me why, what gave you this? Like, did you have a dream as a kid? Did you like have you been thinking about this forever? Like, what made you think talking trees? a Savior Lion, a wizard, a Yeah. Minotaurs, centaurs, fawns, talking animals, everything that you could imagine as a kid when you're playing The Floor is Lava or I'm the King and You're the Whatever. Yeah. And literally everything in the mind of a kid, from the span of that to an adult, is yeah. in these two stories. Oh, and for that's sure.
0: And they incredible. take incredible. <clears throat> so in Narnia, C. S. Lewis takes um Aslan, as he is the Gandalf of the story, he's the wise, like, sage who's telling them, oh, you know, this has to be done and this has to be done to fulfill the prophecy or to fix, you know, whatever's going on. And, you know, then he dies and he comes back with a raging fucking whole army to help defeat mm-hmm. the rest of the army and battle the White Witch, who is, or Sarmon. Mm-hmm. like, <laughs> they're the same. <laughs> and it's really interesting thinking looking at it as an adult through an adult's eyes because when I watched this when it came out I was a freshman in college Um, I had watched all the Lord of the Rings but it was through the eyes what I was 12 I Mm -hmm. think when the first movie came out when Fellowship of the Ring came out and honestly as a 12 year old my eyes were solely on Elijah Wood. Like, 100%. I did not... Re- ooh, buddy, I was Elijah lost Wood hair so Elijah hard. Wood and Orlando Bloom, like, that's all I needed for those films. I didn't need... I Ar- had a major Vigo Mortensen <laughs> thing, though. That's how, you know,
1: 10-year-old me was like, ooh, hold on a minute. You know, as much as a 10-year-old could be. But. Yeah,
0: but, but, like, as a kid, I didn't really, like, I understood the story, but not at all the complexities of mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, and I was 12 when the first movie came out, Emma was a little younger, and then the second and third one, I think the third Lord of the Rings came out in 2004, so my mm-hmm. senior year of high school, and seeing them in that way, because this was before, you know, all the DVDs were available, like you couldn't just buy a box set of the three movies and watch sit, sit down and watch them. So the movies, this, the plotline of the movies kind of was jagged for me, because I hadn't read the books because I still have not read the books. Don't hate me. Yeah, yeah. I can't get through them. My bad. But it was definitely kind of jagged and I didn't understand all the complexities that were happening. And then Chronicles of Narnia or this Chronicles of Narnia came out and it definitely brought all of that down to a level that I could understand at 17. Like
1: yeah, a lot more
0: than I did Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. I love this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's one of my absolute favorites. And, I mean, Katie and I were having this conversation. <clears throat> if I could have that $180 million and have a say of over what was done with it, I would have much preferred that they started with The Magician's Nephew, which chronologically in the seven books of Chronicles of Narnia would have made more sense to come out first. Yes. Just because there are so many key points to the world of Narnia and to the whole story—the lamppost, the dryads, the the professor, the yeah everything, everything. going on in there—that if they would have started with that, I think it
0: would have built the, a stronger foundation for the other the films. Connection for sure.
1: to the next three films: the Chronicles of Narnia, the uh, Prince Caspian, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Everything would have made so much more sense. Yeah. As it happened, as opposed to trying to set up this mythical, magical world that they did such a beautiful job. But I think the understanding for what it was and what it meant would have been so much deeper if they would have started with the magician's nephew.
0: I think that it would have been really cool if this company would have done... So I, I do think that Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the story that they needed to start with to get yeah. people hooked. Because I The Magician's Nephew is my favorite book in the mm-hmm. series, but it, there isn't a big conflict in it, and there's like not a huge resolution. It's, it's just, not much of a
1: plot line. It's just it's kind details. of, yes,
0: it's kind of an ending. Mm-hmm. I feel like this, when they made this movie, they should have simultaneously filmed a like a featurette not even a whole movie a featurette that would have been the magician's nephew they could have done like a 30 minute thing mm-hmm. and you know tacked it on to the ending of this film the secret uh not the secret the bonus features of this yeah. film um just so that we have that basis for what's to come because a lot of the stuff that happens in prince caspian and a lot of the lore that happens in voyage of the dawn trader is things that you learn about in the magician's, in the magician's nephew. nephew, when Narnia first appears and is born, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's I, the
1: reason why the professor understands when Susan and Peter come to him and tell them that Lucy has found this world. Yeah, he's in like, a oh window. shit, I've been he's there. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I've been there. But it's <laughs> almost like what they're doing now, for instance, with the Golden Compass Northern Lights trilogy of books, how HBO picked that up and has now made that a show. Even if we could do a short TV spot or something on the magician's nephew and just the foundation of Narnia, or like you said, the bonus feature spot, anything that could have given some light to actual Narnia and the lamppost and the meaning of everything. It would have been
0: really cool for them to do it simultaneously as they were doing this. So they Mm -hmm. could have... So that they could have released it even right after this film came out. Between this film and Prince Caspian Mm -hmm. because it would have taken them a long time to film Prince Caspian. Yeah. They could have done something in the middle that would have explained the rise of the White Witch and how it got to be as bad as it did. Exactly. Because in
1: this film... Because there was so much that went from the creation of Narnia to what it was when Lucy stepped into it.
0: Yeah. In this film, they... They jump in, and it's all like Narnia is already a white witch shit show. Like, oh, it's awful, like, it's but they don't, but they don't ever explain how it got to be so bad. Yep, they just kind of say, Oh, there's a prophecy, Mm -hmm. and oh, this is how it's gonna go back to being normal. But they don't ever like, You're
1: the four people that are supposed to save us, but nobody understands that that's what everyone's been waiting for. Yeah, that's.
0: They What's don't. They been. don't ever explain how mm-hmm. Elsa turned evil. Cause heads up, the White Witch is just Elsa from Frozen, just evil it's as fuck. For,
1: it's for real. Like if she chugged a bottle of Jaeger and just had a <laughs> rough night, that would be the entirety of the. Oh White yeah, Witch. if they
0: made if they made a live action Frozen movie, It'd I would be, be upset if her ice castle. Didn't look exactly like 100%. the White Witch's castle in this movie. It's brooding. It's angry. It's depressing. It's exactly 100. It's exactly, it's what, exactly what what Elsa was when she ran away mm-hmm. and was like, nah, I'm, I am a danger to everyone. I don't want to be around anyone." It was
1: pre-free feeling Elsa. Yeah, when
0: she was so angry and upset. Exactly. Yeah, 100.
1: Which fun fact? The White Witch was actually based on the same off fairy tale. The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen, which is frozen. It's a hundred. Well, I mean, we could go around and around and around in circles talking about how every single movie has already been done before in one form or another <laughs> oh, based yeah. off of like the same handful of stories.
0: But I can connect so... a lot of popular yes. movies. A lot of everyone's favorite movies I can connect to this film. Exactly.
1: And it's just it's refreshing to see different poles on the same fairy tale because they have done the Snow Queen. Yeah, terribly under budget film and it was awful, very childy, but that yeah. was the aim, I think. <clears throat> um, but this with the White Witch and then Frozen and then what they're doing with Frozen now is just I I can't. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's too. It's incredible. Witch, hint hint plug plug take your children or yourself to
0: see Frozen. Yeah, go see Frozen 2. It it. is amazing. Do it. Oh, my God. I've heard
1: all the music. I have cheated in 100,000 ways and watched scenes on YouTube because I'm awful. And I need to go see it myself. So, do it.
0: Yeah, it's tough when you have kids, as it It turns out. Hard to go see a movie when you have kids. (laughs) Hard to do anything. Team no kids. (laughs) So, we digress.
1: Yeah. But, uh, so many aspects of this movie, watching it. As a fifteen-year-old, even so creepy when you watch
0: it from oh the eyes God. of the adult. Oh yeah, the entire so much rapey, creepy, vibes. pedophile vibes. Just yes, the as a mother. the first half <laughs> the first half hour of this film oh, is buddy. straight rape city. Like it's oh God. horrifying. As a like I didn't ever catch it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it just was wasn't something that was on my mind as a kid. Yeah, no, because, I mean you, you know you look at Lucy Early two thousands. Early two yeah. thousands, you're not really thinking about that, I guess. Mm-mm. Or I wasn't. But now that was the whole time this was happening, I was like, Oh my god, this is so awkward. And right. I bet James McAvoy has a really hard time watching himself in this film oh, now. He's he's straight like straight up pedo bear. Yeah. One hundred percent. Horrific. Braver. He so Lucy the beginning of this film takes place in regular London, and there's, like, the beginning Warthorn of World London. War II. Yeah. yeah, World War II is happening, and their parents, her mom, or their mom, sends them away to live in the country where they'll be safe. Fair. Okay, they get yeah. to the country. They're playing hide-and-seek. Lucy walks through the wardrobe. She's hiding in the wardrobe, and then she ends up in Narnia mm-hmm. and stumbles across Mr. Tumnus, who is a fawn, played by James McAvoy, and everything from right there... Until the point when all four kids end up in Narnia is fucking creepy as shit. So.
1: 100%. Like, so beyond Mr. anything that S- I would understand yeah, how to so describe.
0: Like, so, like, Lucy makes friends with Mr. Thomas. She, they, they like, are introducing small talk, introducing themselves. And mm-hmm. she's, like, she's just full of amazement and wonder. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, you have basically goat legs. Like, what the fuck is happening? You're yeah. so cool. You know, in her little kid eyes. And Mr. Tumnus is like, oh, shit, this is a human from the prophecy. I am supposed to contact the White Queen. Mm-hmm. So we'll he's...
1: to turn her over. Yeah, yeah, so he's
0: trying to figure out a way to get her, basically, to the White Queen. Mm-hmm. And in that, he asks her if she wants to come to his house for some tea. Red flag number one. Mm-hmm. Little kids, do not go... Anywhere with a stranger you just met. Let alone a ever. half goat, half man. Yeah, let alone. He's got goat legs. Yeah. That's a name. Lucy was like seven and Mr. Tumnus was over a hundred years old and Easily. was like, hey well, yo.
1: considering that they have had winter. For a hundred years. Over a hundred years. Yeah, he and was. he was 100% an adult before that started. Yeah, he was hundreds of
0: years. He was hundreds of years old. Okay. Dude's got some Fucking age gross, difference. Fucking gross. Okay. So he invites her to tea. Okay, you're still like, okay, she's a little kid. They're just going to go have a tea party. Sure, why not? Kind Mm -hmm. of. It's not so bad, but even as an adult, you're like, oh, maybe not do that. Don't do that, James McAvoy. Then he invites her to the house and she he gives him the tea and the whole, or gives her the tea and the whole time he's making these shady ass eyes like he just fucking dope, drugged her. her. He locks the door behind her, which Plays is like. a song that makes the fire have creatures
1: that's like Which is like, seriously, I would
0: not be Boy. shocked if there is a cut of this film that someone did on YouTube that just like, this movie takes a right turn and it turns into torture porn. Oh yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Uh -uh. Yeah, he
1: locks her in. The death chronicles of Narnia. It's so
0: awful. And Uh it's so awkward. So she passes the fuck out uh, while he's doing his little magic flute solo or whatever. And you're like, what is happening right Mm -hmm. now? Don't do it, Lucy. Don't do it, Mr. Tumnus. And then she wakes up and he's just curled up in a ball on the floor. In the dark. Crying. Okay, which is not something... That's also not comforting. Like, what happened while she was asleep? Right? Why is he crying? That's, Why is he so gonna guilty? That's going to be a
1: hard pass. Yeah,
0: also horrific. Okay, then he decides that he's going to be better, and he lets her go and takes her back to the light post so she can get back through into the regular world. And then Edmund... I don't know. She goes. They go to sleep in the regular world, and then they wake up. She wakes up in the middle of the night and decides to go back into Narnia, and Edmund follows her. When Edmund follows her... He gets into Narnia, gets separated from Lucy because he's, I don't know, like two seconds behind her in regular time. But, you know, a hundred years behind her basically in Narnia time. And she ran off to go see Mr. Tumnus and he stumbles upon the White Witch, who is also creepy Mm -hmm. and pedophile-like status. Every, Every interaction that she has with Edmund in that very first meeting of theirs is Horrifically pedophilic. I'm
1: gonna wrap you in my fur coat. Here, let me feed you. Let me give you a drink. Let me wipe your mouth. Like,
0: yeah, she was like, girls
1: got mommy issues. Yeah, it was like,
0: it you could like kind of see that she was trying to be a mother figure to him, but in a way, like, clearly she had no idea how to be a mom. Like, she had no motherly instinct. It was like, it was so awkward.
1: It was Silence of the Lambs, but with a jesus twist
0: yes it was so creepy terrifying so those two instances were incredibly hard to watch as an adult you're just like why is this happening why is everything so creepy at these kids right Mm -hmm. now and then the white queen makes a deal with edmund is like uh you know next time you come back bring all your family and i want to meet them and he's just like yeah sure why not doesn't give a fuck because he's Edmund and an idiot (laughs) and then they leave him and Lucy end up leaving get out of Narnia and then the next time they come back they bring the other two kids and by accident by accident yes complete accident huge
1: thing on how Narnia shows up yeah Hint, hint to the whole backstory and the last line in the movie is it's there when you're not looking for it yeah all they're trying to do is hide from the McCready yeah (laughs) Not Mrs., not Miss, not whoever she is. The McCready. Yes. Which is hilarious. Yeah. And they just try to sit in this wardrobe and wait it out and just keep backing up. And then nothing stops and they all fall in the snow. So, absolute accident. Yeah. That they fall into it. But at the same point, it's like, well, now that they're there, it's going to be a good 50 years that they're there.
0: Yeah. So really cool things that happened throughout this movie that I didn't notice the, on the first watch, but noticed a, like cl- very clearly mm-hmm. in this watch. Um, from the first time that Lucy comes into Narnia, mm-hmm. as soon as she steps in, as Mr. Tumnus is telling her the story about, you know, all this stuff, and then she leaves. Mm-hmm. By the time she comes back the next time, it's been what? a night, maybe, uh, maybe a night um, in real world time. Which we don't really know how long that's been in Narnia time. But she's gone for like a night. And mm-hmm. she comes back and you can already tell that Narnia is changing because of the presence of the one of the queens of Narnia.
1: Well, yeah, when she first went into it, the branches that were in the wardrobe were frozen and yeah. covered in snow. Yeah. When they come back, when Edmund goes with her, everything in the wardrobe up to like the first four trees past the wardrobe is Have completely melted. bare.
0: Yes. Just pure green pine yes so narnia has started to change to spring as soon as lucy stepped foot yeah and constant change constant like even change. scene
1: to scene while they are in narnia
0: yeah like the snow stops
1: yeah while she's there the first time yeah they come back and the trees are melted and it's sunny yeah they come back with Peter and Susan, even more things are melted. You can see the rocks. You yeah, you can the, see the, the colors river, on the houses. The river so
0: starts to melt. All the trees are starting to bloom. And they haven't even done anything. No. Like they, they shut haven't up. they haven't fought the war. They haven't done anything. Mm-mm. Like they haven't done anything to change anything yet. No. Just their they mere haven't even met
1: with Aslan. Yeah, yet.
0: their mere presence in Narnia has changed Narnia for better. Like oh, yeah. it's already taking over the white witch's reign of terror, basically. It's fucking cool. It's and you incredible. can see it all the way through the film. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It does. Like,
1: I remember watching this as a 15 year old, and you notice, like, the big moments when things change. Like, when the river wasn't frozen anymore. Mm-hmm. I remember noticing that. Yeah. I remember noticing when she stood next to the river and the grass was green.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, the big moments. And then when they come to Aslan's camp, And nothing is frozen. It's all flowers. Yeah. Like those big moments I can remember. And I was like, oh, dang. Okay. Well, things are really thawing. Yeah. But like you don't notice it as in depth as like this run through. Like, Like you had said, every single scene, every change, every move, everything that they do. There is they had one that thought, slight difference. They had
0: that thought in mind. The directors and producers. Phenomenal job. Amazing how they kept that in mind as they were filming this. Like, film. I, can't,
1: I can't say enough good things about how this movie was done. Yeah. This it's was so good.
0: Incredible. Yeah.
1: Any thought they had was thoroughly maintained the whole movie. There's no stone that was left unturned.
0: Yeah. So, what is your favorite scene in the movie?
1: Oh, geez. My favorite scene. Oh, I remember because I told you, I said, oh man, this is my favorite one. This is... (laughs) And now it's gone. That's a rough one. I love when Lucy comes in to the wardrobe the first time. There's... I mean, I'm about to be a teacher. I'm a huge advocate for children's imaginations and curiosity. and Being able to discover things on their own and how much... That affects their ability to maintain what they learn, and I love her absolute sense of wonder. Like there is no question about; she is stunned. She's never seen anything like this. It's pure innocence and pure brilliance as the mind of a child. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. It's so it's gorgeous. Just for those. It's two such
0: an minutes, accurate portrayal of a child. It's one hundred percent.
1: Yeah. And I love that. Like, that solidified the entire movie for me. Yeah. And I, I know that they, like, purposely did it that way, but they did it so well. It was... It's gorgeous.
0: Yeah. I love it. That has to be... Your favorite scene. One of my favorites. Yeah. So, my favorite scene in this entire film is the Christmas scene. Mm-hmm. So, the... Kids are trying to reach Aslan and are traversing all of Narnia with these two beavers who are helping <laughs> them get get over there. They make it across the river. This is before yeah. before or after the river before because they I had because they yeah. had she had the thing. Yeah, okay, it's before the river. so before the river they're headed to the frozen river. Yeah, they're headed to the frozen river and way. they're cutting across this huge like meadow. What would, mm-hmm. would be a meadow if it was green, but just, just this huge snow 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 over tundra. And they're walking across and you know all the kids are like, "Oh, this is so far. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. This is like, can we go any slower? Or can we go any faster or whatever?" And then they hear hooves behind them and, and they and a, and, a and a sleigh and they are freaking the fuck out cuz the white queen rides in a sleigh pulled by reindeer and she's like they so they just start booking it and then they hide once <laughs> they get right <laughs> once they get to the the edge of the forest <laughs> They find a hole to hide in, and they're freaking the fuck out, like, oh my god, the white queen's right here, like, she's gonna murder us. And they wait, and the figure is standing over them, Mm -hmm. and can't see them, and then kind of walks away, and then the male beaver decides that he's gonna, he'll risk his life, because none of the kings and queens can die yeah he'll risk his life and he'll go see if the white queen is gone and he's like oh my god everybody come out here there's someone who wants to see you and the kids go out and they fucking meet santa claus yeah and santa claus is like you know what to be fair i was riding in a sleigh way before that bitch the white queen like fuck her
1: hashtag
0: reason this is a christmas movie (laughs) yeah oh my god santa's a santa's Just showing up in this film is so. This is
1: Santa as a badass. He's so pure.
0: It's so pure. He shows up, and Lucy is just like that that look of childlike wonderment and all of that that Mm -hmm. is in the beginning of the film is totally here. Lucy's character is just like complete shock and awe that she's meeting Santa, that Santa's there. Susan's just like, you're fucking kidding me. Like, I didn't believe... Well,
1: I mean, she even says it. She goes, you've gotta be joking. Yeah,
0: you've gotta be joking. <laughs> this can't be Santa. And Peter, who is the oldest of all of them, is like, holy shit, it's Santa. Like, you can right. see it on his face. Like, he's like, fuck, dude. Santa's <laughs> here. And then Santa proceeds to give each one of them a specialized gift and explain to them what their gift is about and why they will need it and why he chose each gift for the person. Mm-hmm. Like, because... You know, he gives Lucy the healing thing because she has a kind heart. And he gives Susan the bow that won't miss because she's sweet or something like that. And honestly, I started to cry as he was like handing out gifts because it was so pure and so thoughtful. I'm like tearing up right now thinking about it. I'm like, oh, man.
1: It's it's 100%. When you think about a grandparent that has thought so much about one thing that they could give someone.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: One thing. And then you see this and he gets down on Lucy's level and is like face to face with her. And he's like, I don't ever want you to have to use this, but here's a knife. I don't, you know, you need to use this to save people and all this. And it's truly, it will absolutely rip your heart. Oh,
0: yeah. I'm crying right now. Oh, yeah. like It's
1: an incredible scene.
0: Yeah. So much. And then he... He gives Peter a sword, which they don't really go over. The he just says like, "Oh, you'll you'll need this. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna be the king. You're gonna need this for battle." Basically, but I but I read in in studying kind of the random stuff about this film, I read that the inscription that's on the sword that he gives Peter says, "When Aslan shakes his mane, Narnia shall know spring again." And I'm like fucking santa coming in clutch with the present man like he gave the present that literally said what's going to happen in the rest of the film like
1: well it's not just that he handed peter new life for narnia
0: yeah he handed him the sword and the and the shield and was like yeah that's it the four of you will bring about the change that will change narnia forever for good yeah and he's like, we've been waiting for you. Basically, mm-hmm. Santa knows because it's Santa. He knows what's gonna happen. Like, you can't hate he's on got Santa's a list, magic. Bro.
1: He checks that shit twice. Oh yeah, he knows what's
0: up. They're getting the best presents. No, and then
1: after this touching scene, my favorite other moment of Lucy. I love Lucy. can yeah. you tell? I I love her. Yeah. She turns to Susan and she. Goes, I told you he was real.
0: Yeah. Best moment. I mean,
1: if you're bawling your eyes out watching this film, that,
0: yeah, she, they, that'll cut, clear you up it, for the rest it cuts, of the movie. It cuts the emotion that you, that all those like feelings that you're trying to repress and hold in. And then it just makes you laugh. Because <laughs> that's totally what a kid would do. When exactly. It, if a kid met Santa.
1: Some touching moment, they're going to feel all the feels and then just crack some
0: joke. Cause yeah. like, well, I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah like oh, yeah. haha older sibling you lied to me <laughs> neither, neither she told neither, you he neither. was real yeah exactly. that's exactly what would have happened and the, that is for sure my favorite scene santa oh, the, i don't know i don't know was. who the actor is that played santa i, I like his, i didn't recognize in, him he okay he
1: is in <clears throat> game of thrones he is the lord commander when john shows up
0: that doesn't help me cuz i don't I know, watch game gotta, of thrones I got i gotta yes. look up his name uh, I didn't recognize he's, him he's in a, but, like, when I looked him up on IMDb or was looking up the cast on IMDb, I didn't recognize his face or anything else, but he was an incredible Santa. And he's not. Oh, so good. He's him not, in the
1: costuming department.
0: Nailed oh, yeah. That. He's not what you think of when you think of Santa. Cause when, James Cosmo. When most people think of Santa, they think, like, oh, red suit, uh, red Ten jacket. Allen. Yeah, Fat Tim Tubby Allen. Fat Tubby Tim Allen. Fat Tubby Tim Allen, basically. Mm-hmm. That, that's the Santa you think. The long white beard, the red cap mm-hmm. with all the little white fuzzies and the big black boots. And this Santa, they totally took it to like a medieval fantasy Santa. Like this is what like I... Like the original St. Nick... St. Nick Russian
1: idea yeah. of what Santa was with his embossed beautiful snow
0: jacket. And yes. And... It's just this beautiful long robe mm-hmm. with all this, all these beautiful intricate designs on it. He did have the big beard, but it wasn't like it wasn't ridiculous. No, it wasn't all curly and marshmallow looking. It was like a
1: dude who has a bushy white beard. Yeah, and he so didn't look
0: realistic. He didn't look like you know he wasn't just like some fat guy handing out mm-hmm. things. He looked like what I imagine Kristoff from Frozen will look like in. 30 years. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing it back to Frozen. Accurate. Like if you think about what Kristoff wears, what all of the men wear in Frozen that it's, that. it's yeah, it's plus that plus like 50 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's definitely the like animal skin and mm-hmm. ev- like everything all the clothes are made out of animal cuz he's out on just this frozen tundra. Oh yeah. It was beautiful.
1: And even his like gift bag it wasn't the stereotypical mall Santa fake, yeah, like velour with the big, white trim. No, it was, it was a beautiful. big
0: animal skin, gorgeous. It was like patchwork, sewn, patchwork, animal ex- skin, sewn exactly. bag. It was gorgeous, totally. His intricate. sleigh was intricate and beautiful. Like it makes a hell of a lot of sense when you hear the one hundred and eighty million, and you just look at the intricacies of the costuming and the they design went of this film. In
1: on this shit, and yeah. they. Nailed it. Yeah. I do I love that he doesn't look like a mall Santa. Oh yeah, he doesn't look like like he's he's wider, he's a little more heavy-set, but he's not fat to the point where he looks like he can't move. He's yeah. not the overdone he's americanized not... Santa. No, he's not he super is like obese. The true definition of the story of Saint Nick. Yeah. And that really hit.
0: Oh yeah, it really makes it, it hit. makes it even more beautiful than like mm-hmm. your traditional Santa, mall Santa looking oh, person. yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, so, talking money wise, so we have mentioned a couple times that the budget for this film was 180 million. Do you know or can you guess how much money this movie made in the box office?
1: I'm going to have to say that it made about, I want to say it made barely back what it spent. Because if you think about the highest grossing movie in the box office being Endgame, they barely made, what, 221?
0: No, Endgame made billions.
1: Okay, see, that changes it then.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yes, okay. game. in game crossed the billion. I, I got my mark. consonants. They, mixed two point one billion. Two point two billion. I okay. think was in Well, if Endgame. they're in the
1: billions, then I take that back. I'm going <laughs> to go somewhere around two seventy five million because they had to have at least made back what they spent okay. on the movie. And this movie was in theaters forever. It was. And it has come back to theaters yeah. a handful of times since it came out.
0: Okay, so box office this movie made it 745 million dollars right of course it did of course it did yeah this is why i
1: don't gamble i'm just (laughs) gonna put that out there unless it's a penny slot and i'm really not wasting much yeah girl i can't guess for shit yes there was that one podcast that i guessed everything within like five dollars and that's phenomenal (laughs) that's a one-time thing
0: yeah this movie made so much money and it was completely worth it like they earned every cent yeah. of the money that they made
1: almost and then turned around and spent it on prince Caspian. <sighs> <sighs> yeah Ouch.
0: so this movie did so well in the box office that it actually became the best selling dvd of 2006 the year that it the, that the year the sense. dvd was released oh yeah um and it the dvd in 2006 mm-hmm. made Three hundred thirty-two point seven million dollars. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, on a DVD release. (laughs) Holy mother!
1: Like, think about it, though.
0: Absurd. Yeah, that's twenty dollars a DVD. (laughs) I uh, Well, no,
1: see, I fed into that because I one hundred percent had that DVD on my Christmas list. I have it. I have it here. like I bought it in two thousand. I have that special edition (laughs) two disc, whatever it was plus the soundtrack, plus the, like, inspired-by soundtrack.
0: Yeah, so this movie was such a big hit DVD-wise that they re-released it several times. Mm -hmm. So in 2006, they released the regular version, just like a blanket, the one that was in theaters, Mm -hmm. and that version made the $332 million. Mm In 2007, like mid-2007, I want to say, to early 2008 i yeah. oh, it didn't last very long they sold this special like deluxe edition dvd thing that was like two discs and had all these special things and that thing sold out a whole bunch so of times like they had to keep replenishing yep. their stock because they couldn't keep it in like on shelves and then in 2000 i want to say later 2008 no can't be that early i don't know a few years later they released yeah, like a special edition blu-ray yeah. Of the film as well. Mm-hmm. So, this film has had several repressings of <laughs> their releasing or have had several releases of it, and every single time they re release it, it makes a shit ton of money because that's how good of a movie it was. This,
1: I'm telling you, this movie for being, what year is it now? 2019. This is a 14 year old movie.
0: Yeah, almost 15. This is, yeah. On oh, no, a 14 as good, as, in like a week, 14 yeah. years. This is as good
1: right now. Actually, tomorrow it came out December fifth.
0: No, December 9th. December 9th? I yeah. lied. Okay, so in my- <laughs> very close. Yeah. So
1: if not better, watching it today as yeah. it was in 2005.
0: Oh yeah, it's so it good. It holds up so well. And that's amazing because a lot of the stuff from 2000 from the mid early to mid 2000s, you cannot say that Mm-mm. like. There's a lot of shit from the 2000s that I just can't watch anymore because the CGI has aged so poorly. Those early days of CGI, man, like, they were incredible and they were groundbreaking for their time. But some of that shit is so hard to watch because it just does not look good
1: Well, I mean, you watch the original Jurassic Parks and no bad mouth because I am a massive Jurassic Park fan and I'll watch that a hundred times. But you watch... The original Jurassic Park, the Lost World, Jurassic Park three, which was yeah, <clears throat> nay, yeah, and the CGI in that hurts yeah to watch in some scenes. It is yeah. just like somebody took an IBM computer and clip art yeah and pasted it. Well, it's onto it's basically the pictures.
0: equivalent of twenty nineteen clip art. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. 2019 clip art is incredible, insane. It's amazing how far we've come, really, technologically. But oh, yeah, yeah, so some, so clearly, you know, when you watch some of these things, just the CGI just doesn't mm-hmm. hold up. And that cannot be said for this film. Not like, even a little bit. A couple of the costumes, I will say, like the Minotaurs I found in this film, to just be like a little. Uh, they were campy. The, yeah, the the minotaurs were a little campy, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. All the rest of the animals and the well, some like, of
1: the centaur movements were a little campy as well. Like, yeah. you could tell that they were. Computerized,
0: that's that's fair. But
1: that's fair. To be honest, to be that picky yeah. about just yeah, I was trying. I was
0: looking for looking for hard mistakes for things that suck, and that was really it. the yeah. The costuming level on all of the queens, like. Henchman, Mm -hmm. she had all these like orc and elf type figures, like evil elves and dwarves and shit. And the costuming on them was fucking great and horrific. that makeup department, oh my god, ridiculous! I hope they they won every award that was available to them in 2005 because they deserved it.
1: I know the movie won, I think, one Oscar, yeah. I think probably a makeup, probably makeup. I just can't. With
0: it, yeah. Oh man, just God. it's so good.
1: We could make a week's worth of podcasts talking about just that. about
0: how incredible this film is. I just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is
1: this is one of those that you just yes you, you have, have to, to watch, to watch this
0: film. If you've never seen this film and somehow just like grab wasn't your kids, your, grab your neighbor, wasn't your, your friends, interest? Kids, yes, go watch this film. I would not recommend for small kids because. Oh, no. It is a, a long, moments. it is a long movie and there mm-hmm. are a couple kind of creepy-ish moments mm-hmm. and sa- really sad moments that maybe not be appropriate for little, little kids. Yeah. But if you've got like eight year olds. Yeah. Third grade and up. Third grade and, grade and up. Easy. Like watch, sit and watch this film mm-hmm. with them. It is a long movie. So be prepared for that. It's like two and a half hours <coughs> long, but definitely. Worth it. Like you guys should, everyone should watch this film. It's mm-hmm. so good. Very much so. Alright, who is your favorite character
1: in the film? Oh well, I mean we've we've already talked to I love Lucy. I love her. She is just she is childhood. Yeah. As one character. And coming from a person who was incredibly sheltered growing up, incredibly just held back from all the terrible that is out there and yeah. raised very, very Christian. Lucy was me. Yeah very naive, very curious, very everything. And that is, she embodies the entirety of what everyone should be able to experience in their childhood. Mm-hmm. Just wonder about everything. So I, I mean, I, I love the White Witch. Her character is incredibly creepy and I love her, but Lucy is hands down probably my absolute
0: favorite Yeah, in this movie. <clears throat> I mean, that's fair. She was terrific. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite character is Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I related to her most because I was I was an only child but I was the older one of all the neighborhood kids that was around me so I was yeah. definitely kind of that motherly the leader. more motherly yeah. figure I guess among the kids. Um, I still was like Because in this film, Susan is still, like, she's willing to be, to adventure. And she's Mm -hmm. willing to believe it. She still has a level of imagination. She still has a level of imagination and all this stuff. But at the same time, she's very realistic. Yes. She is definitely like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, we're going to cross, can we not cross this fucking frozen river that's clearly not going to be frozen for very longer like this is not the right choice (laughs) Mm -hmm. and she's like the the voice of reason among the four kids yeah lucy is very much like i'll do whatever the fuck i want basically because i'm a kid and all of this is amazing peter the oldest he's very much the leader like Whatever he's he makes the final decision on whatever the family is doing and he's trying yeah. to do his best to protect all the family all the but rest to of the a family point
1: where he doesn't see anything else outside of that
0: yeah and Susan is like she's somewhere in the middle of the two of mm-hmm. them she and definitely then
1: Edmund over here just being a little bitch
0: yeah she's definitely Susan is definitely trying to protect everyone while at the same time trying to enjoy what little is left of her mm-hmm. childhood and it is I love it so yeah. much she's great. Yeah. And the actress, I remember as a kid or as a teen watching this film and being so jealous mm-hmm. of this actress, not necessarily because of, you know, her getting to be a Narnia or any of that. I don't really care. But this act, the actress who does this, her fucking lips are so perfect. And I don't understand how anyone's, like, just natural lips can be that perfect. Because she was only, what, like, 15 or something when they filmed this movie. So it's not like she had... had had, gray-blue eyes. Yeah, it's not like she had had, like, surgery and stuff. She just had, like, the world's best best pout. Oh, God. And I remember being so... Like, you know, 16-year-old me was just like, how the fuck do I get my lips to look like that? Mm -hmm. This was before, like, years and years and years before, you know, lip injections were a possibility and, you know... All that plumping lipstick was a thing, and all of that dumb plumping shit.
1: lipstick had just started. Yeah, at that point, and it was the stupid Sephora. It was shitty and absolute expensive. Tastes yeah. like junk and make your mouth burn.
0: Yeah, it was just like, how does she have that? Per like, how is her pout that beautiful? How do I get that mm-hmm. pout? I wanted her fucking pout so bad.
1: <laughs> well, and I'm I, well, like you said too. She, you look at her and you think, if Hunger Games would have been filled. Just like you said, uh, yeah. like ten years, ten earlier, years before she would have been she Katniss. She would have been Katniss, hundred percent. Like you just look at her and you go, "God damn!" Okay. Oh yeah,
0: especially the promos. So we ended up watching this on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and the like the screen splash that they have for this film is all four of the kids with their weapons kind of drawn, like ready to fucking fight, and she's got her. Bow and arrow, like, slung. like oh, yeah. She's about to fucking... And her up.
1: hair's all pulled back she, to the side, and you're yeah, like, I'm like, okay, I you. just I fucking see. Katniss
0: right here. Like, this is some serious Hunger yeah, Games Yeah, girl vibes. on
1: fire in about three seconds. Yeah.
0: But... Yeah, yeah. she totally would have been... I mean, oh, if yeah. Hunger Games took place in Britain, or mm-hmm. she has a solid English accent, American accent, I don't actually know, but... Yeah. Yeah. It was, like... I but love that. I love her mouth. character. I just, <laughs> I
1: know. she's like the poster child for anybody on Instagram who makes those ridiculously intricate lipstick paintings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her she lips got are so huge. much lip for you to paint. You could huge. paint all of the Scream on her mouth. Yeah, you could paint the Mona Lisa on there. So yeah. much lip. Yeah, incredible. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay, who was your least favorite character? Oh God. Mine's easy. Mine is yeah. Edmund. Oh, He's a fucking asshole the whole Between fucking Edmund time
1: and the little. The dwarf yeah, thing. It's. I mean, he did his job of being a creep, but he just annoyed me. The dwarf. Yes, I'm like you need to stop making sounds. Oh yeah,
0: he just, he kept, just kept like grunting. Anything. He just sits there and he goes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, no. Yeah,
0: it was creepy. The Almost dwarf was definitely the creepy. Crown
1: from Edmund, but Edmund. No, such Edmund a was fuck such a movie.
0: bitch. Like middle child, middle child syndrome more than exists in. Almost any other film I've ever seen. Like I could open like, a can of whoop ass on that kid that kid so is fast. such a dick. Every chance he got to make Lucy, his little sister, feel bad and just like nay her opinion about anything or her thoughts on anything, he took it. I and love then, like, that
1: she threw half the shit he said to her right back in his face. Oh though. yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Like when she looks at him and she goes, "Some kids just don't know when to stop pretending." And I was like,
0: "Yeah, she she fed it right back to him eventually." But he like took every chance that he could to make her cry. Oh yeah, he sold them out to the White Queen. Every single chance he got. And even after the Turkish Delight, when he was Mm -hmm. in the prison, Mr. Tumnus was looking at him like, don't say a fucking thing. Like, I'm fine. I'll die on this hill. Yeah. And the kid was still like, blah, blah, blah. They're here. Yeah. And then even later, again later, when they were like, oh, well, they said something about Aslan meeting at the stone table. Yeah, with the fox. And he just kept, like, running his mouth, getting other people hurt and killed. I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like... If she's going to kill you, she's going to kill you. you got to deal with that. It yep. doesn't mean you need to rat out your brother and sisters Nay. so that they can die. Nay. Like, ugh. Fuck that kid. Oh, he's so awful. Fuck
1: that kid. And he's they that tr- one kid in your classroom that you just... Like, there aren't enough red cards and PR checks for that kid. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. That is just extra beyond extra.
0: Oh, yeah. The and most. The, and they... Tr- like, the whole movie... The whole end... I don't know half hour of the movie Mm -hmm. maybe 45 minutes is like his redemption arc he comes back and Aslan talks to him and forgives him basically and makes it so that the other kids are meant to forgive him and the other kids are kind of just giving him like shit not mean not Mm -hmm. meanly but like hey you know don't run off again right you know don't do this don't do that and, you know, he joins the team, and he's okay. And then, I don't know, I feel like there wasn't enough build-up to him being... Peter's right-hand Peter's man. Peter's right-hand man. Yeah, no. So, there's a scene where... He just goes
1: from being a dick getting everybody killed to being, like, the to one being the right hand on. And,
0: yeah, and there was no build-up to it. No. Because there is a scene where he ends up being, like, the general... I don't know, the second-in-command general yeah. or whatever up on the hill. And I was thinking... I said out loud where's susan like yeah. she should be She's this here this is time. susan's spot like yeah. the the general character should be susan why is he doing it and it was just like i don't know it was weird but it makes sense down the road i guess yeah but there wasn't enough build up definitely no. in his rela- in his redemption relationship with the rest of the family like yeah. it was just like oh yeah we forgive well, you Ha-ha. It, you just sold us out to the witch that's fine
1: when he speaks to aslan and then aslan turns around and says what edmund's done is in the past it's not to be brought up it's forgiven and all yeah that. and it's like you think about from a family standpoint like if we were sisters and you did some dumb shit and somebody told me it's in the past she's back now i'd be like okay that's cool and all Like, I'm totally here for you trying to be a part of this family and not be a douchebag. But But you still did some shit. You still did some shit. Like, hell, I'm going to put you second in
0: charge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. mm -mm. Well, and even even then after that, well, I don't know. I guess they didn't all know about it. But, like, he, no, they all knew about it. He fucking sold them out to, Mm -hmm. or no, he didn't sell them out. He let. Aslan sacrificed himself yep. for him. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you yep. did all that shit, and then you're going to take away our Jesus? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're taking away our Gandalf for this? mm mm-hmm. like, for your dumbass who wanted some Turkish delight and to be seen? Fuck that. Fuck yeah. Fuck you, man. Yeah, no. Oh, it was that's, so upsetting. That's going to be a nay on my part. Edmund is the worst. And I have <laughs> forever said that Edmund is oh, the yeah. worst. Like, from he's, the first time I saw this movie, I a for a hot I, second. No. Okay, what about the music in this film? I love the music in this film. From the
1: second this movie came out, the first chance the piano book was available, I bought that shit so fast, and I learned every song. This, I still use this music, like, when I'm reading, Mm -hmm. when I'm doing homework, when I'm- Oh, yeah. Especially if I'm reading some fantasy-geared or something book. Yeah, I have to listen to this soundtrack because it just, the way that it is written brings you into imagination, to fantasy, to fight, to defense, to everything. Like, it's so perfectly written for the way that the movie works. Yeah. There's pauses where there needs to be pauses. It's just the highs and lows are where they need to be. Yes. It's hard to explain to anybody not necessarily as
0: musically yeah, it,
1: inclined. Yes.
0: But. No, I completely understand. Like, I could talk
1: about the dynamics. I could talk about the speed of the music. I yeah. could talk about the beats per minute and how that affects the way that the scene is working.
0: Yeah. The way that but, it makes you feel while you're watching it. Yeah.
1: Because if you've got anything over 100 beats a minute, you've got to have some impressive shit going on yeah. on the
0: screen. And your heart rate is up because it is. you're focused on the beat of the music even if you don't notice it. Fun fact, music is awesome like that.
1: It's ingrained in you 100% from the first second you hear it. Yeah. It's brilliant.
0: So I love the music from this movie as well. Uh, as far as it being a Christmas film, I don't feel like this mu- this music is Christmassy necessarily no. in, in any way. No. Um, it just is... But there were Jingle Bells when there was Santa. There was. They (laughs) they did do that. There's always Jingle Bells when there's Santa present. But um, this is just a classic fantasy soundtrack. It's very... There isn't... For me, because I didn't listen to this soundtrack uh, as extensively as Emma did, um, there isn't any one theme that I can pick out and be Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, this is the theme to Chronicles of Narnia. Mm -hmm. It's not like Lord of the Rings where I can tell you, oh, yeah... This is like As soon as you hear bomb. This is the war bomb. Ba-ba-bomb. Yeah. Everybody this is knows the war right theme there. or Frodo's like uh-huh. the little piccolo like uh, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows like, it. Like you know that th- that that's that theme. Um I wouldn't say that this film has any of that. I don't think it has that strong of music. To any given character, like I don't... Oh yeah, no, there's no personal association. Yeah, there's no personal association like there is in Lord of the Rings or even Star Wars or any of that. But this soundtrack adds so much to the feeling Mm -hmm. of this film as you're watching it. The music starts to get intense and your heart and your whole body just kind of clenches, tenses up. Just because you know that something intense is coming because of the music. It's so good.
1: Specifically with Aslan on the stone table. Oh, yeah. That song is my brother's favorite song. He will listen. (laughs) I am not shocked at all. Not even a little bit. For any of those of you listening who know my brother, you know what I mean. Um, When he is gaming... His game right now is like Rome 2 or something. When he is gaming, he will put on the Stone Table song and he will just <laughs> get that shit. But that That's is one fair. of those moments where the music, you get so tense because you're like, I am thoroughly uncomfortable yeah. right now. Oh, and then yeah. it just, silent, as soon as she stabs that shit in there. Yeah. Silent. Yeah. And it's like,
0: Ugh. <laughs> It just gets you square in the everything. Okay, and that leads me right into the next question. Where did yes. this movie give you the feels? Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Well, I told you during the movie. Yeah.
1: So I agree
0: with you on the Santa thing that that Santa is. Yeah, that's thing my will feels that's my feels moment. Of all the moments in this rewatching of mm-hmm. it, or watching it as an adult, that is the moment where I cried. Oh yeah. Or where tears like actually popped out. Like, yeah when Santa was giving his gifts and explaining things yeah. so it was like a lot. um this watch today watching
1: lucy come into narnia really hit me i yeah. think because i have a kid now yeah. because i'm this is my field of yeah. study yeah that hit me the childhood my, development aspect mm-hmm, just that sense of curiosity and yeah. wonder and absolute purity that is a child mm-hmm. is that 5 minutes yeah. That's that's it in a nutshell. But growing up watching this movie, every single time that I would watch that stone table scene, I was crying my ass off. Yeah. Because I was so mad at Edmund. I was so angry that he let that happen. And yeah. I was and so, so sad about that, Aslan. That he would just go so willingly. Jesus. And just, well, exactly. And Gandalf and all these things. Yeah. And just to go with no fight, no nothing, he's like, well, it's what I said I would do. And then to see how hurt Lucy got. yeah, That broke me every time. Yeah. Every single time that as soon as that knife went in, Lucy was like... She was done. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. it That just...
0: Well, but, Lucy throughout this film dealing with mm-hmm. ev- the death of any animal or creature in in the forest like they had to just like silence her a bunch of times because she couldn't stop her like gasping and freaking out and
1: that's that's another thing with this being that my field of study is in early childhood development it's the time when a kid is starting to understand emotions how to deal with them what they mean and that it's okay to feel each of them yeah and They perfectly illustrated that with her. Oh, yeah. They did such a good job. Being like a little eight-year-old that she is or however old she is. Yeah. She is just now understanding that emotions are who you are. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. You go through them. It's like a train through a tunnel. You can't just go around the tunnel. Yeah. you got to go through it, feel it all, and come out the other side. Yeah. And I just. But in this in this specific watch through, my feels moment was her coming into that, that yeah. wardrobe. That was just it's purity. It's impressive.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a memory? Uh, any specific memories associated with this film aside I from do. watching it a billion times? Oh uh, yes.
1: <laughs> I really did watch it a billion times. Like I caught myself mouthing all the words today. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going Emma. You need a life. So the first time that I saw this film was. Not the day it came out, but the week after it came out. Fun fact, C.S. Lewis is a major Christian advocate. Huge into the whole Bible-Jesus comparison aspect. And I was raised very, very Christian. Deeply involved in my church. And our youth group and my parents, Bible study group, whatever, we all went as a group of like 40 of us to the movie and watched it and then ended up having like a six week sermon series on how exactly this
0: movie relates. I'm really jealous. But right. (laughs) I'm really jealous that this was the film that you guys like took and did because Mm -hmm. I did not have that luxury at my church. (laughs) My church, the year, my senior year of high school uh, the big movie in Christianity was Passions of the oh, Christ. Yeah. So no, we did My youth too. group went and saw Passions of the Christ. Yes. And then we talked about it yeah. forever. And then mm-hmm. we showed special showings of it at my church mm-hmm. once it came out and was able you were able to show it. It was like, Wow, this is a lot. Yeah, now, this they, is way too much for some of these well, people, for some they, of these kids.
1: At our church they would take the seniors in the youth group as soon as that movie came out. An offer to go to. as a group, they could watch it together, yeah, and then <clears throat> be there for each other with it. But oh no, I was much more happy that we saw Narnia. Oh no, as, I would have much rather have watched
0: Narnia. This is passion, but like but as a kid, I would not if I so even now I did not associate this film with religious mm-hmm. with Christianity at all until. Emma told me the story when before we had started watching it about, yeah. you know, all the parallels to Christianity. And then as we were watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, this is basically just Lord of the Rings, which is basically yeah. the story of Christianity. like Yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> I mean, that was, it's a big theme to the whole Chronicles of Narnia series. But he centered a lot of that in this book. Yeah.
0: Specifically. But well, the rest of them don't make as much sense. Tying exactly. it into Christianity. Ex- well, I mean... Tell me about it.
1: But, uh, Voyage of the Down Treaders. Right. <laughs> Jesus well, a boy related. and his horse, like, come on. How are you gonna... I mean, I always say Jesus and the camel, but it's not really in relation to... Anyway, I digress. So, Sorry. No, you're good. But it just, that is the one memory I think that will stick out for me forever is that we took 40 of us. Yeah. And basically bought out the whole theater. Yeah. And watched it. And it was. I'm not a huge fan of going to movies with my parents. Because. Who knows what awkward chaotic moments might show up. Tell me about it. (laughs) But. My dad I could go to a movie with forever. Oh yeah. Because we'll just laugh that shit off. And it's way funny. My brother. I love him to death. For those of you that don't know my brother. He has Asperger's. And he has this lovely trait of laughing at the worst when he doesn't know what emotion to feel and it's not just laughing it's laughing as loudly as he possibly can and for a very extended period of time so watching movies with him I need to have seen the movie first to know where the emotional parts are where you can just predict that he's gonna and then watch it with him but this was the one moment that I can remember sitting there with my entire family where every single one of us loved the whole movie. Yeah. My brother didn't go nuts. My dad loved it. My mom cried. I was a little bitch bawling like crazy. Yeah. It was just... Every bit of that memory was phenomenal. Yeah. I just... That's awesome. Can't.
0: I don't have a, a memory associated with this film. Like, I know that I saw it in theaters, like, when it came out. Because I would have been a freshman in college. And I'm sure I went with, you know, a whole bunch of people. I went with a bunch of friends. Um, I just don't have any specific memory mm-hmm. of this film uh the chronicles of narnia were not big like the book series was not yeah. big in my life until after this film came yeah. out so i watched this film and then was so in, just floored by it and enamored yeah. by the grandioseness mm-hmm. of this film that i went out and that what christmas that was mm-hmm. not even like 3 weeks later i went out and bought the the whole series of books the paperbacks and just read them all because mm-hmm. it was like holy shit, like, what's going to happen next? What's the next part? Where's it going? How, when do we find out about, like, the start of Narnia and whatever? (laughs) Yeah. And um, I do remember that much. I remember just falling in love with it as soon as it happened. And then once it came out on DVD, I watched it. I mean, for sure, every every year around Christmas time, but probably even more frequently than that, like every six months or oh, something, yeah. every, every three months, I would put this film in you and just like
1: need a Narnia fix every few months. Yeah, it and just... just watch it. I haven't but seen now this film on in Disney+? so long.
0: Yeah. It's been forever since I've seen this film. Oh, I can't even. Like, shameless
1: plug for Disney Plus. I expect my check in the mail.
0: But yeah, now that it's on Disney
1: Plus, I like.
0: Yeah, this is just going to be the I, background to every cleaning day, session that Emma ever does. My whole day.
1: My whole day is just going to be like. You know what? I'm going to fold some laundry. Fuck it. Let's put on Narnia. Yeah. I'm taking a shower. Fuck it. Put on Narnia. But, well, now your memory of watching this is going to be the fact that we sat through a two and a half hour movie that was supposed to be my son's nap time in which he proceeded to talk, scream, poop, and scream some more.
0: Uh, in 20 years. Thing. No, in 10 years, Jackson's going to listen to this podcast and be like, man, mom, the fuck?
1: Why are you going to put my shit on blast? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Well, son, you talk through a movie and you're, you're going an it. You through an entire
0: movie. Well, how how dare, dare you? The whole thing. Yeah, he fell asleep in the la- the battle scene where mm-hmm. and it's actually loud. And the we loudest didn't, part of we the didn't, whole didn't, movie. We didn't turn d- it down. He could have just kept screaming. Like, that's the part where... 100%. <laughs>
1: we didn't even turn it down. It was the loudest point in the movie. And he's like, oh, okay, well, good night. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Kill we kept him. having to change the volume because of his screams like all the all the talking parts okay we will i will say that i love this film to death and it is wonderful but if you're going to watch it be aware that you need to be close to your remote because the talking parts are really fucking quiet and yes. the music and action scenes are really fucking loud anything
1: with a sword anything with an animal sound anything
0: it's super loud it's so, incredibly loud it was very clearly meant to be watched in a movie theater mm-hmm. like all of those quiet scenes made so much more sense when you could just be absorbed into the sound of all the fight scenes exactly. in a giant theater but when you're watching this at home you need your remote close by so you a can little like bit. put it up a little bit and then bring it down a little bit when when it gets just intense yeah, yep. we were
1: somewhere between 14 and like 32. Yeah. <laughs> this entire movie. I'm like, that is quite a big Yeah, that's a big span. jump,
0: especially for the quiet parts when Aslan is talking, because Liam Neeson, his like gravelly low voice was kind of hard to hear. And you had to.
1: <laughs> it's true. You're just like, keep going, Liam. I'm just going to turn you up. Just just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, so that would, that would be our PSA to anybody watching. Yes. Remotes handy.
0: Yes, so I'm giving this film, like, a 10 out of 10. Everybody needs to watch it. 100%. Like, just... Even with Edmund's bitchiness, I just... There's nothing in this
1: movie that takes away from anything in this movie. Yeah. Every part of this movie Mm -hmm. shines.
0: Yeah, it's so good. The statues... The plot doesn't
1: take away from anything. The the set doesn't take away from anything. The sets are so pretty. thank God for New Zealand. Yes. You know what I mean? Which also, another hint, hint in between Lord of the Rings Ty. Tolkien and Lewis they were both filmed in the same spots yeah. in New Zealand besties so for fact, life and even the afterlife I'm telling you they're, they're <laughs> up there going listen to this bitch talk about our books but <laughs> you're welcome guys but yeah it just nothing in this movie detracted no. No, from no, there anything were, no there were no bad parts costumes were phenomenal oh actors were phenomenal there was not one person that sucked
0: Yeah, which is incredible to say when you're thinking about the fact that this was a movie based around four children.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, to think about how it took them three years to cast this, thank God it did. Because even the minor parts, which Katie and I were talking about this, arguably, this is one of James McAvoy's better
0: roles. Oh, yeah, this is one of my favorite things that he's ever done. It's so good, and
1: disturbingly so, the way that he is. And it just... Even the beavers, the fox, the every single character that is in this movie is so perfectly done. Yeah. That I I can't. There's nothing to subtract anything. Yes. In if this you rating. if
0: you hate Chronicles of Narnia, don't watch um, it. Um. Just tweet, kidding. I want you to tweet at me and tell me why you hate it. Uh, yes. At Allentown Pod on Twitter. Like, let me know, cause. I don't see anything wrong with this film, and mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can see anything wrong with this film, but I'm curious. So yep. if you have a problem with this film, let me know. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm here to hear your shade. Yeah, I want to know. Throw it at me. And don't give me it's because Edmund was a bitch, because we know Edmund was a bitch. We, we get it. We've acknowledged that. He is terrible. <laughs> we get it, but um, I need but more it's than still that. still a 10 you, out of 10 If you really movie. don't like
1: this film. Because he's a bitch.
0: Yeah. He, <laughs> he, <laughs> yes. Him being a bitch was necessary to the plot. It was. Uh, so on that note, uh, we are available on Twitter, like I said, uh, at Pod. You can email us at allentownpresents at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play and everywhere else that you might listen to podcasts. There'll be links everywhere. There'll be links on our Twitter. You can find it. Just search Allentown Presents. Keep your ears and eyes open. We have an Instagram and a
1: YouTube, possibly in the works yes, coming, coming, up here, coming so soon
0: someday. Keep um, your eyes and
1: ears and fingers ready to smash that
0: like button. Like like and subscribe as Otis likes to keep saying even though we're not on YouTube yet. Hit that bell. (laughs) Uh, So yeah. uh, This was again episode 4. We will see you again tomorrow for episode 5 of Katie's Christmas Movie Countdown. Toots. Bye.